First Thessalonians chapter four, beginning at the first verse. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. But um, let's pray together. Dear God, your law is not hidden so far, that's beyond our reach. But instead, you have made it readily available for us. So thank you for revealing yourself to us so that we can know you and know your will for us. As we come to your word, open our eyes that we might see the wonders in your law. Help us to, as we touch on the topic that might be sensitive to some people, uh, would you bring comfort? and encouragement to anyone who might have been hurt in the past because you have promised to be our refuge and that you give rest to anyone who comes to you. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I recently watched this film, this highly acclaimed Japanese animation film, uh, The Boy and the Heron. Uh, the studio which produced this film is probably my favorite. Uh, it's called Studio Ghibli, which produced like my, my neighbor Totoro, if you ever watched that. Uh, so I, I love all the animations, but boy, oh boy, it's got boy in the title. Uh, was I bored watching this film? And I lost count of how many times I yawned in the cinema. Uh, each time I yawned, I thought to myself, when is the film going to end? It was so boring. I had just wasted two hours of my life that I can't take it back. That's what I felt watching the film. But afterwards, I thought, wait a minute. This is a Japanese film. Uh, it's not uncommon that a film in foreign language to change its title when, when it's released uh, for international audiences. So I looked up the Japanese title. Uh, it's nothing like the boy and the heron. Uh, the original title, Kimitachi wa to ikiruka, when we translate that into English, it literally means, how do you live? You see the difference? How do you live versus the boy and the heron? Uh, and when I saw that, it made so much more sense. So if you haven't watched this film yet, Go in with this uh, Japanese title in mind. Don't go in to watch it as the boy and the heron. It's got nothing to do with that. Uh, 
Had I known the original title, I would I would have enjoyed the film 100 times more. Uh, so I won't spoil, spoil anything for you. Just go and watch it yourself. Um, because in the story of this, this is still not a spoil for you, uh, there came a point in the story that the main character understood that it's all about the choices he makes. Uh, and the choices he makes is an expression of how he lives. And ultimately, how he lives determines who he is. And most of the times, uh, most of the time, he already knew what's the right choices, what's the right thing to do. So, hopefully, you see in the connection I'm trying to draw together uh, with our passage today. But before I continue, please allow me to say this: uh, there are things we don't know about everyone who's sitting here present uh, in this room, and there are pains and sufferings you might be experiencing from the past. Uh, perhaps you have suffered at the hands of a sexual abuser. But your dignity, your honor, and your purity might have been viciously ripped away. And sometimes that ongoing pain and shame paralyzes you, causing you insecurity and fear. And you might be questioning your worth and value or perhaps it was some unwise choices we have made in the past that would create dark memories that continue to rise to the surface of our thoughts, uh, compromising intimate moments and stirring regrets and shame. Please remember, uh, the Bible tells us that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new, new is here. When we, when we believed and accepted Christ as our savior and, savior and our Lord, we are in Christ. And whoever is in Christ, the person is a new creation. In Christ, there is complete, completely new life, completely new purity. Even long before Christ came and lived amongst us, prophet Isaiah spoke of God's promise of renewal let me read for you from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Glasses off. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as bride adorns herself with her jewels. So for those who are in Christ, God sees them not only gloriously pure, but also clothed in robes of his own righteousness. And I'm very certain that when Paul was with the Thessalonians, he must have this in mind. And he's not so worried about what their lives were like before they became Christians. What he's concerned about is how they live in the Lord Jesus. How they live since the day they became Christians. So here's our first point. You already know how to live. So keep on living. 
you already know how to live, so keep on living. Because in verse 1, Paul says, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. And please God how? Uh, since you all have your Bible still open, uh, please look up three verses back in chapter 3. Paul prays that the Lord Jesus would strengthen their hearts so that they will be blameless and holy before God our Father when Jesus comes. Now back to chapter 4. And can you pretend the verse numbers aren't there on your Bible for verse 1 and 2? Uh, treat it like a long sentence because it is a long sentence. So it might be helpful to just ignore the verse numbers. Here Paul continues, well, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. And I jump to the end of that long sentence. For you know, because Paul, I think Paul must have told them already when he spent time with them. So, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus uh, now, if you were to look up this word, instructions, by the way, I encourage you, all of you, to, to also look up words when you find a, a word that you think is interesting. Uh, there, are, there are so many free Bible apps available online now, uh, such as Bible app, uh, Step Bible or the Bible Hub. Uh, we don't have to be language experts to, in order to check how each word was translated from, from the original language into English because uh, the language experts have done the hard work for us, so we can just look up. And so this is one of the words I looked up. Uh, when you look up this word instructions, you'd notice that it's a bit of a weird one. Uh, the word Paul chose to use here is an, an order given from someone in authority from, from the above. And this word uh, got a bit of uh, military flavor in it. The verb form of this word is to, to command, to, to give order, coming from the authority. So this instruction is not a suggestion or, or, or a guideline or, or, or simple recommendation uh, how you should live in Christ. Uh, this is a command that needs to be obeyed. By the authority of the Lord Jesus, Paul gave them this instruction. Another way to say this is that this command is from the Lord Jesus himself. So you see, regardless of how the Thessalonians lived before, that's in the past. What matters is that now they know the right way to live. And Paul affirms that, well done, you are already living it, so keep at it. Continue to do the right thing, make the right choices, and do this more and more in the Lord Jesus. So before we continue to our second point, in your table, uh, choose one of the questions on the screen and discuss. I'll give you two minutes. Just chat amongst yourself. Uh, so, 
whatever the immoral sexual practices were, were trending in the city of Thessalonica, whatever immorality those new Christians came out of, Paul must have understood how it's a lifestyle change for the Thessalonian believers. When they became Christians, it doesn't mean they are immediately free from all the negative influences around them. It doesn't mean their past sin, uh, their previous engagement in any of the immoral sexual behaviors have, have no more effects on them after their conversion. And that's our second point. Uh, Paul gives them more reasons why they should continue making the right choices to motivate them to continue living a life pleasing to God. So why should you continue to do the right thing more and more? And Paul gives them two words. Two words. Your sanctification. sanctification. It's a mouthful word. Uh, the translation of our Bible is called the New International Version, NIV. It's a really good translation, and I really loved it. But sometimes it smooths out uh, things a bit too much to make, it, uh, to make the readers understand it, to make it easier to understand. And verse 3 is an example of that. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. But you see, sometimes making it short and catchy can make things more memorable because original was your sanctification. So Paul's doing exactly that. He says, this is God's will, your sanctification. That's God's will. Uh, sanctification is the fancy word for holiness. It means to be set apart. Your personal dedication to God. And guess what? That's God's will. So if someone asks you, how do I know what God's will is for me? How do I know I'm walking in God's will and not my own? There you go. There's an easy answer for you. God's will is for you to be holy as he is holy. Uh, and what does a sanctified person look like? Paul listed out a few of the uh, Paul listed out a few for the Thessalonian believers, and I think they are just as relevant to us today as it was for them 2,000 years ago. Uh, Paul instructed them, still in verse three, you should avoid sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is another word I had to look up to check what Paul meant by that. And so the, in Greek, it's, it's pornia. That's where our English word porn comes from. It's very similar. But pornia isn't, isn't limited to just porn. In fact, any unlawful sexual behaviors come, come under pornia. A, a lawful sexual intercourse is limited to married couples, a man and a woman. So anything outside of that is pornia. Avoid means to put yourself at some distance from, from a position. So sometimes to avoid sexual immorality, you might have to physically avoid someone or some place. Uh, for example, after a long week at work, uh, you, you and your, your mates like to go clubbing. Often you meet some studs or some pretty girls there. 
Uh, you know you are easily compromised at a club, you know, after a few drinks. So, so to avoid sexual immorality, you, you choose not to go clubbing anymore. So that's avoid. Or you know what, what the Bible says about how God detests sexual relationship between two parties of, of the same sex. But you visit a church where the minister tells you it's okay. Uh, he approves same-sex relationship by pronouncing blessings on same-sex couples. Avoid that church. Uh, or if you are struggling with pornography online, uh, but you have to use your computer so you can really avoid it. So the way to avoid it might be you set up some accountability um, strategy for yourself, softwares to help filter out the porn, and you have your friends asking you hard questions to keep you away from those temptations. So avoid. Uh, to be sanctified, Paul says, verse 4, learn to control your own body. Holy and honorable. Holy here is the same word as sanctified in verse 3. So it's the same word. And remember, this is God's will. What's God's will? Sanctification, very good. Keep remembering that. So you want to set yourself apart by learning to control your body. See how Paul says you should learn? To learn is to, to know or to understand how. So you, you might not know this before, but now you, you know, so just to learn. For example, if someone is addicted to sex but don't know how to stop, then asking for advices, seeking professional help might be what learning looks like. And we want to grow in the ability to control our own bodies in a way that is holy and honorable. Verse 5, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. In another word, because you know God, you are different. You are set apart because you know God. You can avoid sexual immorality because you know God. You can learn to control your own body because you know God. The more you know about God and who he is, the more you love him. And the more you want to do what is right to please him. And you stop doing things that displeases him. In verse 6, our Pope brings the matter into the church. Brother or sister refers to believers um, as part of God's family. Given that most people are usually very trusting in the church, very loving and very kind, I hope that's what you've experienced when you walk into the church, hopefully. Uh, it is extremely easy to wrong a brother or sister or take advantage of them whether intentionally or unintentionally. Sometimes you'd hear stories of um, emotional or spiritual or even sexual abuse in a church. And sometimes you'd hear stories of some ministers committing adultery with another member of the church. And sometimes it's the children and youth who fell victims. Think of yourselves. I'm sure none of us wanted to be mistreated or taken advantage of, right? 
In the same way, we must be careful not to wrong our brother or sisters. Here at St. John's, we take safeguarding very seriously. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus even came and died for the sins of humankind so that anyone who believes can come to God the Father unhindered. So if Jesus welcomes us into his house, and his house is meant to be a safe place for everyone, even the little ones, can you imagine how angry he would be if people get hurt within his house? He definitely will punish those offenders. Another motivation to be holy is in verse 7. God calls us to live a holy life. Now, this is the third time Paul used this word holiness. Um, so if nothing sticks from tonight, okay, just remember this word, holiness. Okay, hopefully, if you have to forget everything, remember holiness. Uh, if, if someone used, uh, for, for, for people at the time, when they used a word three times in a very short paragraph, it's something that's really important that you should take notice of. And, and Paul, Paul used this word three times within just six verses. So we know it's something that he wanted to pay attention to. And remember, this is God's will, your holiness. God did not call us to be impure, but instead he calls us to be holy because he is holy. Finally, verse 8. Paul concludes by summing, summing it all up. The ultimate reason we can be, God, be, we can be in God's will to live a holy life is because we have the Holy Spirit. This is also a verse that challenges everyone who calls themselves Christians. Uh, if someone doesn't agree with God's authority in this matter about sexual purity, then they most likely don't know God yet. They might know about God, but they don't have a, a personal relationship with him. And by implication, his Holy Spirit is not in that person. Because it is God's Holy Spirit who lives in those who believed, and that the Holy Spirit would empower us to, to have self-control. And he points us to the truth so that we can know God. And he warns us to stay away from sin and convicts and corrects us when we do wrong. And he calls us to be pure and enables us to live a holy life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you said, be holy as I am holy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us, who enables us to distinguish right from wrong and empowers us to live a life holy and pleasing to you. Please continue to help us to cling unto you, to heed your instructions, and to continue making right choices as those who are called by you and known by you. 
Help us too to show godly love and respect to one another. That we strive to make your church a safe place for everyone who comes in to, to experience your love. In Jesus', in Jesus our Savior's name we pray. Amen.